talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. We need as much money as we can. This is the Press Box. The age difference on this show. With Grady and Bischoff. I'm glad you're the one that went in on the details of how my No, come on, I'm feral. Cold out. What do you think? Do you get cold? <laughs> I mean, it's 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 getting. Was to that. there a conversation going on before the open it's that getting, I didn't know about? It's getting to be that time. It's windy out. That's the problem in this state. Yeah. Not the cold. The wind is a wind, wind helps make it cold. Yes, and blows everything in my backyard around. It's not fun. No, we go out in the morning and the leaves in the pool. I just look at the wife and say, "Well, I gotta go." Got to head to got to head to the radio, but uh, there's a lot of leaves in the pool. How often is your pool used in the summer? Yes, uh, not in the other times of the year. Because my girlfriend's parents used to have a pool where they lived. Less than five times a year, it yeah, got used. Yeah, like it's yeah, don't have a pool. No point. The hard part is it's not used very much, but we we do all the cleaning. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I know. Don't have it. We we don't we don't hire people. Well. Go on, it's Greenspan. I'm out there. Uh, You're hired. I, I'm out there. Uh, the, 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 yeah. The, and Jared will help me here. The things where you have to let go of the pressure and take them out and wash them off. What's that? Filters? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. That, that's kind of the hardest you think part. I, you think I grew up with a pool? <laughs> I'm not sure. I grew up with a pond. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the hardest part. They just got me out there in the street doing that, running the water off the dirty water. It's not very good. Isn't the point of having kids so they do stuff like that? Uh, yeah, that's usually the point. Um, but when yeah. one's away at school and the other's playing two K, it's kind of <laughs> hard to uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard to make that happen. Wake them up, get the leaves out of the pool at four a.m. Let's yeah, go. Exactly. Let's That'll go. Happen. Let's go, Jared. The first bite. Today, brought to you by McDonald's. <laughs> Which coach is most likely to be a head coach next season in the NFL? Vic Fangio or Rich Basaccia? I well, I don't think I'll surprise you with this. I think Basaccia because he still has something to possibly do this year. Like Fangio's out. Whoa, They're the done. Broncos aren't eliminated yet. They are They're done. not eliminated They're yet. And Rich Basaccia, destiny in his own hands. And if they win the next two and get the plus, I'll destiny. say I don't think... Either are coming back as head coaches, but if I had to pick one, only because Basaccia, I mean, if they win two, they're in the playoffs. I don't think they, I mean, they'd have to go on the road to where, like Kansas City or somewhere like that. So I don't think they'd get that done. And if it's one playoff game, I still think there's a lot of cleaning of house coming. But I think Fangio's done. I didn't, again, I don't think either's coming back, but if I have to, you know, have to pick one right now, I'd pick the guy who's still got a shot. Uh, Mike Kliss tweeted out, about Vic Fangio when he got asked about job security. He said, do I acknowledge it's out there? Could happen? Absolutely. But do I worry about it? I absolutely do not. That's a okay. lie. Of course. Of course it is. He was begging. <laughs> hey, I worry about be- job security. <laughs> he was begging for another year yesterday. Yeah. He was saying, he was you know, giving, when coaches start giving all the reasons they deserve another year, they're probably not getting yeah. another year. Hey, uh, you might be fired. Are you worried about that? No, yeah. not at all. No, no, not at all. No, no, we're good. I don't know. I'm fine. You can fire me. I'll be fine. Yeah. He's a liar there. I'll give you a hot take though. The Raiders will be worse off if they make the playoffs this year than if they miss the playoffs. And what 
realm. Mark Davis is going to keep Rich Passaccia oh, if they make the oh. playoffs. And I think they're worse off if Rich Passaccia it becomes the full-time head coach of this team for the next three to five years. I think that's worse than... Because, again, like you said, they're not winning playoff games. This isn't a team that's going to find itself in the AFC title game. They're going to be one and done in the playoffs if they get there. And so if Rich Passaccia makes the playoffs, Mark Davis decides, you know what? Keeping this guy around, that's terrible for this organization. They're going to be bad for a long time still. Especially considering he Matt Nagy will be available. <laughs> so will Vic Fangio. Yeah. <laughs> Although Vic Fangio never beats the Raiders, so he'd be a no. hard get. He'd no, hard no, get. no. That's, that's the that's, perfect yeah, coach. Yeah. That's the perfect that coach. True. We will never beat ourselves. <laughs> we will always beat Denver. They're seven and six against the rest of the league. That's a great record. I just, I think, like, okay, let's play the hypothetical. Raiders win their last two. They get into the playoffs. Lose in the first round of the playoffs. Second playoff appearance in 18 years for this organization. Rich Passaccia took over halfway through. They were bad at one point. Came back, finished strong, got in the playoffs. Like, what are the chances he keeps the head coach job if they make the playoffs, even though well, they get bounced? And that's in the why first I said round? more so than Vic Fangio, because I think he has a better chance of keeping his job. Do, do you think it's 50 50 or do you think it's like 10%? I think it's 10% because I think there's a really good chance Mayock is, and I think Mayock's going to want to be, I'm in charge. I'm, I have full power now. I'm going to go hire my own coach. Because I, I go back to that statement that Davis kind of let slip to Paul Gutierrez when he said he's the GM and I have no idea why he wouldn't be in the future. So. If that's the case, do we really believe Mike Mayock? Let's say they get to the playoffs and just go to Kansas City and get run, and it's one and done. Do you really think Mike Mayock doesn't want to see what else is out there and hire his own coach? I hope he does. Like I, I no, think, I, I do too. Yeah. I just I, I think I think that's what would happen. I also am a little worried that Mark Davis might tell Mike Mayock this is who you're hiring. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Davis Davis interests me in that. He gave Gruden complete control, obviously. Gruden ran the whole organization. And if he lets Mike Mayock be the GM and stay as the GM, I would think he would I think he would adhere to him in terms of and now Mike Mayock would have to bring forward people. Mark Davis would have to interview him, obviously, and be convinced. I just think Davis is one of these guys who is okay giving power to people. Yeah. And if he if Mike Mayock and if I'm look, if I'm Mike Mayock and I get the job. I'm saying I'm hiring the coach, right? I'm not gonna if I if I'm the GM, I, I, I the head coach has a lot to do with my job. So I'm I'm gonna say that I want to hire the head coach, and I think Davis would allow him to do that. And I still think Mike Mayock would want his own guy, and that would mean probably cleaning house for the most part. I still think you know you could convince a head coach to maybe keep Gus Bradley. I think a head coach would come in, and I don't think Greg Olson would be around anymore if it's a new head coach. I think they clean house on that side of the ball. And we still don't know about the quarterback, even though the quarterback also never reads anything, but he knows everyone's worried about his future and his contract. <laughs> um, so I still... Again, he doesn't I, read anyone but Adam Hill. Yeah, only Adam Hill. Um, Big I MMA think, guy. I mean, I, I think there's truth to what you're saying in that they have not been to the playoffs much at all. And maybe Mark Davis <laughs> says, you know, once in 18 years, maybe Mark Davis says, man, he got us there. I just think Mayock would want his own guy. I I'd, really do. I would think so. But I, I'm i also fearful that this organization is going to do the worst thing it can in the offseason, and that is, hey, let's bring that Rich Passaccia guy back. Everybody liked him. All right. New NFL rule or guidelines this year. If you are an NFL team 
with a head coaching vacancy, which the Raiders are right now. Starting in week 17 this week, you can interview assistant coaches from other teams. Byron left, which so that you used to have to wait in the past. Do you think the Raiders are interviewing anybody this week? Do you think Mike Mayock, Mark Davis, either one or both? Do you think they're interviewing Byron Leftwich I mean, or any other coordinators across the league that are potential head coaching candidates? Oof. Given that, again, we keep going back to the same idea until probably after Sunday, that they still have a chance to make it. Oh, and because obviously if they interview coaches, it's getting out. I don't care what anyone says. If they go and, like you say, Byron Leftwich or someone like that or BNME, even if those guys at this point. Yeah, because you're going to leak it, Ed. <laughs> I mean, even if those guys at this point would maybe pass on it just because uh, just because they're also have chances to win big. I don't I don't know if they want that out in a in a week where it's such an enormous game and they don't want to be they don't want to be or have their players or their team, you know, disrupt in terms of their thinking about, hey, they're interviewing these assistant coaches. I don't know. I I'm not saying they shouldn't because the new rule allows them to and get get a head start, even though it's my opinion they should already have a head start. If Mayock knows he's coming back, he should already have a head start. He should already have a list. Yes. Uh, and never mind a head don't, start. They don't read anything. How will the players even be affected? <laughs> That's true. Um, so while I like the rule because I do think they should be able to get a head start. Gruden's gone. I just don't know if they would do it in a week where the game's that big. So if they lose. Then I would start interviewing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, again. Byron Leftwich might say, wait till the end of the season, and then he might miss on the job. Or Eric Bieniemy might say, we can win the Super Bowl. You got to wait on this. But there's other people out there who are not going to the playoffs who they probably want to talk to, and I would do that after they're eliminated. I heard Michigan State's got a really good coach. Maybe and he works cheap. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I feel like your owner and GM could interview candidates, and even if it got out, your players and current interim head coach would understand what's happening. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I would like to think that they would have, they would understand, oh, of course they're interviewing Byron Leftwich or Eric Bieniemy or whoever the assistant coach is. They don't have a head coach at the moment. Like, I would like to think they could all handle that and not have that, like, disrupt the, in, the last two games of the year and ruin their playoff hopes. Tyler, you've been here at Lotus Broadcasting for two different program director searches, and it created absolute like chaos amongst the staff you were the only one that was like well i'm just gonna do my job yeah it didn't change the show exactly what i'm saying though what i'm saying though is now multiply that times of infinity for an nfl head coach sure the amount of uh did you hear that they interviewed blah, blah, blah. did you hear that they interviewed da, da, da? did you uh, like it will like it's gonna create some level of like guys we we got a game tomorrow. Yeah, but it's not like Jonathan Taylor is going to run over whatever linebackers left on the roster. <laughs> Who is left on the roster? That's a good question. <laughs> eleven that. eleven guys on the COVID list, and like all the linebackers. Denzel I was going to say kind of spread through the room. Yeah, Patrick Onuwasu. Like it's basically was pretty much all defense. Is Nassib healthy? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, Mariota yeah. and Brian Edwards got put on Sunday. They're the two offensive players. The other of the other eleven players. Oh, and Jermaine Elmanor, one of the backup offensive linemen. Of the other 11 guys on the COVID list right now for the Raiders, all defensive guys. Yeah. And, like, Denzel Perryman's been great this year. Casey Hayward's been great this year. Those two are on the list. 
You've also got Nate Hobbs, who's a slot corner, been very good. Brandon Faison, Roderick Team are like secondaries depleted, linebacker rooms depleted. The only thing really that hasn't been hit is the defensive line, um, which has been, I guess, the strength of the Raiders defense this year. So that's, I guess, a good sign. But yeah, 11 guys on the list. And by the way, the Colts have 13 right now, and most of their guys are starters that are on the list. Yeah. So it's going to be Derek Carr against Jonathan Taylor on yes. Sunday. <laughs> Did you see the tweet from Palestro? 106 NFL players, this is yesterday, went on the reserve COVID-19 list today. They all tested positive, including 96 positive tests today, another record high. So if that's the case, uh, you're probably looking at these guys missing. I mean, it's not like they're close contacts or if they get the one negative test back, they can play. If all those guys tested positive, right. you're not counting on them this right. week. You've, they've got to have, what is it, two negative two tests negatives. before... The end of before Sunday, basically. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible. And, you know, guys like Nate Hobbs and Brandon Faison, they went on the list end of last week. They're much more likely to come back. You know, Mariota and Edwards went on Sunday. So that's right. like a week in it. So maybe. But, yeah, guys that but went on the list. these guys yesterday, the Littletons, the Wrights, the Perrymans? Yeah. They tested positive? Probably not. No, probably not guess. for two negatives. And here's the other concern, and we'll find this out later today. They put, what, five guys on the list yesterday, right? After putting two guys on the list Sunday. What happens today? Right. That's sort of been, that's always the concern when guys, when you start putting guys on the list in chunks, when it's not just, oh, yeah. one or two guys, when you have right. a chunk, especially when you look at it and say, oh, they have four linebackers that went on the list yesterday. That becomes the concern is because all of it, like, do, do we, are we tomorrow talking about the Raiders have 21 guys on the right. COVID list and is the game going to be played Sunday at 10 or whatever time it is? Like, that becomes the the question, the conversation around this because that's the fear at this point. And it's it's not just the Raiders. The Colts are in the exact same situation where they have had some guys that went on last week and then they put more on yesterday. So either one of these teams, both could end up with, you know, 25 guys not available to play. Can't you wait till Raiders fans say, they can't make us play. Look at all these guys on the COVID <laughs> list. Like, yeah, that was the deal with the Browns as well. Mark Davis is going to be like, the Colts should come here. Yes, exactly. The Colts should come play here. That'll be more fair. All right, coming up next, the Golden Knights are finally back tonight. Everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah, you gotta be unlimited. You, know, you gotta have a thought process of being unlimited. On ESPN Las Vegas. The Golden Knights are back. Well, long time before the game tonight, so okay. you, just, right. you just never know. Golden Knights might be back tonight. <laughs> the game hasn't been canceled against the Kings. Tonight, uh, but yesterday, Pete DeBoer and Brett Howden went on to the COVID list. Oh, so they should postpone the game. So Steve Spot and Ryan Craig will be sharing head coaching duties tomorrow. My favorite thing about this. Tonight. Derek, tonight, you, yes. Derek England's undefeated. My favorite thing about this is Golden Knights fans currently want Steve Spot fired. Yes. They've wanted that for a while, though. And I don't know if I want the Golden Knights to go, like, unbeaten while Pete DeBoer is out or if I want them to lose every game while Pete DeBoer is out. I know one thing. I'd like them to score in every power play. 
That would be fun. Yes. That would be actually they fun. Score they score on every power play, they but they lose. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Four three, three power play goals, <laughs> and the Kings beat them four to three. Because it like it would be fun if they lost every game, however many Pete DeBoer misses, and Golden Knights fans use that to yell at Steve Spot even right. more, even though it's it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't pointless. have anything to do with that. But it'd also be funny if they won all three or four games while DeBoer is out, and it's like, yeah, Steve Spot did a great We've job. We've always loved that this guy. Team up. He's going to be a future head coach here in Vegas. <laughs> I would love that. So I don't know which I'm cheering for, but because Golden Knights fans want Steve Spot, because he is the he's in charge of the power play right. and the power play, it's been a lot better recently. It's been actually pretty good yeah, in it December. Has, it has been. But through November, they were bottom five Terrible. in the league, despite, you know, they, sh- they should never be bottom five in the league, given the players. Not with on their the skill, team. no. Yeah. But that, you know, is great. So I don't know which I prefer to happen more. I think... Oh, I prefer the the Jared situation where they do nothing but score in the power play <laughs> and they lose games and then we'll see what they think about Steve Spot because at that point they're like, well, Very better in the power play, but he still loses yes. games. Very confusing. Okay. They fix the power play, but everything else is broken. Who's our goalie coach? Yes. Let's fire him. Yes. Everything else is broken. Um, So... What we have for the Golden Knights, Nolan Patrick did return to practice yesterday, skated on the fourth line, which means outside of COVID, there's, you know, Alex Petrangelo, Evgeny Dodonov, Brett Howden, I might be missing somebody, but there are guys on the COVID list. But outside of COVID, if we're just looking at like normal hockey injuries, there's only two guys that the Golden Knights are missing now. That's Alec Martinez and Jack Eichel. They did move Alec Martinez today to long-term IR, uh, but... It's he's been out long enough already that they can bring him back whenever he right. wants because it's retroactive. So they could bring him back tomorrow if they wanted to. But he got moved to long-term IR, so he'll probably be there for at least a little bit. But they only have two guys, Alec Martinez and Jack Eichel. Now, those are two important players, right? That's a top four defenseman, and that's potentially the best center on the team. But this team, I, I think we can finally basically point to it and say, this is the team. This team's healthy. Right. Like in hockey, you're almost never going to be 100% healthy. Right. You're always going to have guys that are out because it's a sport where everybody gets hurt. But we can point to it and say this team is healthy. Like there's no real excuses for, hey, they're missing so and so or they're missing whoever. And they've been playing really well in December. So here's my question Are the Golden Knights a top five team in the NHL? Oh, I think so. You when think they're so? completely healthy. Yes, I think so. I think that completely healthy, even without Eichel, they could win a cup. So. For the entire season, right, they have the 13th best record in the NHL by point percentage. Uh, second best in the Pacific behind Calgary, but Calgary has, hasn't played in like a month or something right. like that. But by point percentage, 13th best in the NHL. However, in December, sixth best record in the NHL. Eight wins, three losses. Um, the Athletic did a pre-Christmas power ranking. The Golden Knights were the 11th best team in oh, that power ranking. I think they are too. But I do think it's fair to say we need to see it for more than 11 games. We need to see this team fair. go on a run. Do and, it for a month. Right. And the other part of it that I think is important, the Pacific Division is very bad. Yeah, it stinks. And if the Golden Knights rip off a bunch of wins against the Pacific Division and win this division by 10 points, 12 points, I do think it's fair to look at it and say, okay, like their competition is not as good as anybody else who won their division when we get to the end of the year. So I do think it's going to be fair if we sort of have maybe a little bit of hesitancy to, okay, how good are the Golden Knights if they simply just ran away Pacific Division? Yeah, but we've said from the very beginning that was going to happen. When they they had all the injuries in the beginning of the season, 
I think we both said that's okay because when they're healthy, they'll still win this division because yeah. this division is so bad top to bottom. So, yeah, we're not going to know how good they really are until the playoffs start. Right. And depending on who they get in the first round. And what I am curious to see is how much of a net positive is the addition of Jack Eichel. And what I mean by that is if they bring him back before the end of the season and assuming no other you know high salary player goes on long-term IR, they're going to have to trade somebody. Somebody's going yes. to have to be moved if they bring him back in the regular season. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Riley Smith, despite how good of a year he's having, but there's, they could move a couple of different guys that could make it work. If you move out, just say Riley Smith to make room for Jack Eichel, how much better is your team when you lose what's been a really good right winger and replace him with what should be a good center? Like your team should be better, but how much better do you get when you have to lose a good player to add a great player? So that to me is the question. It depends on how good Jack Eichel really is. Right. And does that take you from being fifth or sixth best team in the NHL to Mm. one or two? Second or third or one or two. That to me is sort of the big question. And again, like we've talked about with Jack Eichel, they could technically wait until the postseason and and not have to subtract anybody from the roster. We'll see if that's actually a possibility. Jack Eichel seems like he, everything he said before his surgery was he wanted to be back as soon as possible, ready to go. He said something about playing the Olympics, which nobody is now, but that was, he was like, yeah, I'd love to play in the Olympics. So we'll see how they handle that situation, but that's a big question is what they subtract from. I mean, I think it's different from last year with Kucherov because this is, again, you're talking about a surgery no one's ever had as a hockey player. Right. So it's not just a normal injury. Like, you know what? We can get by without this guy. I I have a feeling, not only Jack Eichel, but I have a feeling they're going to want to see him play. Yeah. Even if it means moving somebody. I think they're going to, if he's, what's, what we've been, so what have been saying, March, I think that they're going to want to see the guy play. I mean, okay. Not that you want someone to be hurt, but I mean, best case scenario is that, you know, Eichel's ready to go in March before the season ends, but somebody else is hurt and you can put somebody else right. on long-term IR and not have to trade you're not anybody. Having a, because of the cap, right. you're not having to trade anybody. That's, in all seriousness, best-case scenario is that, you know, Eichel comes back and whatever, William Carlson is is hurt and Carlson's out and you put him on long-term IR and then, oh, he's ready to go for the postseason. You don't, if, if Carlson missed the last month of the season, you wouldn't be worried about throwing him right back with Marsh, So and Smith for game yeah. one of the playoffs. That wouldn't be a problem. So, like, that's probably best-case scenario for the Golden Knights is that, yeah, somebody else because yeah. long-term Given IR the eligible. season. It probably it, will be. It probably They'll will probably, be. probably like three guys yeah, that are exactly. eligible for long-term IR by the time Eichel's ready to come back. But they're back tonight, hopefully. I guess we'll find, just like the Raiders, we'll find out a little bit later today if they have any more COVID list guys. Alec Martinez, uh, I believe at one point, was day-to-day. Yeah, of course he was. <laughs> yeah. Jack Eichel was day-to-day. Yeah, if, Jack, Eichel, if Jack, Jack Eichel's still day-to-day. If Jack Eichel's neck injury and surgery hadn't been so public in Buffalo... The Golden Knights would have absolutely said, yes. oh, he's Upper body day. injury, he's and he's day-to-day. Day day. We would not have known about the surgery. <laughs> we would have not have known what injury. It was just, yep, yeah, he's day-to-day. Why day is he day. somewhere else skating? <laughs> Why isn't he here? Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. David, I've been told that you're in Maine. Are you talking to us on vacation? So I don't know if it's vacation exactly. This is 
is uh, this is supposed to be where I go for Christmas because this is where my wife's family is. I just kept testing positive until like two days ago, so I just got here. I was I was uh, saying that I am looking at a tree with a bunch of presents under it as we speak. Uh, they will be opened after we get off the radio. Oh wow, oh, we are yeah. We are. Well, yes, we are going to hold you as long as we possibly yeah, can. Yeah, you're ruining you Christmas. So yeah. can we get on with this, please? December 28th. How, great how Christmas. are you feeling, by the way? Better. I mean, that's okay. the point. I've been better for, like, I haven't had anything like a symptom for, like, five or six days. I'm just bored. But I watched a lot of movies, and I watched a lot of movies that, because my wife came up here, you know, to see her dad. And so, like, I had, like, the uh, sort of opportunity to watch a bunch of movies that my wife would have detested watching for a few days and like that wasn't how i had it drawn up like i would rather have been doing something else on christmas but i have finally seen the irishman so that's oh, nice my God. you must be still be watching it then it's really uh, it took me that was like my christmas day project oh. i did like you know a couple of minor tasks around the house and then i was like i'll be done with this around nine yes and just started it <laughs> just let it happen but i thought it was great all right, I have a I have a plan to pitch to you, and I'm curious if you're on board with this. We should mm-hmm. ditch uh, Christmas being on the 25th every year, and Christmas oh. should be the fourth oh. Friday in December. That way, Christmas Eve is on Thursday, Christmas is on Friday, and that allows us to have NFL or NBA both of those days and the weekend, and it allows people with, not everybody, but a lot of people to have a four-day weekend every year just like Thanksgiving. So... I like this idea in the abstract, but I want to underline the point here that I'm Jewish. Like, I don't, I don't get a vote. Like, this is sort of thing where, I, like, logistically, yeah, that sounds great. You know, if like I'm making travel plans for next year, or like thinking about, uh, you know, scheduling a bunch of NBA games and not feeling so bad about taking Dante Divincenzo away from his family. But uh, yeah, that I think you're going to get some pushback from uh, some Gentile members of the, uh, of the team on that one. Well, don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Fair. Well, I'm I'm with you no matter what, man. Uh, um, ride or die. So Merry Christmas on the 23rd of December <laughs> next year. Last week, I gave you a bunch of like just retired NBA players to see where you wanted them to play. I'm that dis- was happening. I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't give you Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson and Greg Monroe, two yeah. guys that oh. we really probably should have thought of. And they have both, like, Greg Monroe basically had, like, just missed a double-double yesterday, which, you know, maybe this is finally his moment, you know, because he always is, like, for a big man, he kind of never really liked rebounding a lot. Like, maybe you don't need to do that anymore. (laughs) Now he's, like, finally come, or maybe he, like, learned to shoot threes and can have, like, a weird Brook Lopez career act five years after his last NBA game. So this The question with Johnson that a friend of mine asked on Twitter is, how many players in the NBA is Joe Johnson better than right now? And the one that was leading the poll was like 50 when I looked at it. <laughs> like, I think he's still pretty good. He's just like effectively my age. He's just, you know, in a slightly better physical shape. My favorite part about Joe Johnson is he checks into the game. And as soon as he touches the ball across, just across half court, immediately back to the basket, ready to back his defender down yep. from like 50. Incredible. <laughs> Just like taking it back to 2009, 2010 NBA, like without any hesitation. <laughs> if you like, honestly, like the things that Joe is good at, like he still seems like he's pretty good at. They are not anybody's favorite things about watching basketball, but like, it's really encouraging to see that he's like still capable of doing the same, like two or three annoying moves to get a two point basket. Like, 
absolutely has not lost a step in that. It's just that, like, now everybody shoots from the logo and, like, you know, just listens to different music, and he's like, I don't understand this era, but okay. <laughs> as long as he can use his butt as a weapon in a basketball game, he can still get, like, eight points. I was going to say, every basket I've uh, every, well, the one basket I did see was a mid-range jumper. Yeah, which is, I mean, you know, whatever. This is, if that actually, like, Obviously, I don't want any of this to go on any longer than it needs to. Like, it's depressing. I already missed Christmas, effectively. Like, I'm sick of COVID. But <laughs> the impact that it's had on the NBA, like, if this somehow gets us, like, three more games of Ben Gordon or whatever, and we just, like, totally wind up playing very briefly a style of basketball that doesn't exist anymore, then, you know, in retrospect, we'll be able to be like, it wasn't all bad. Uh, last night, Greg Monroe, after he played, he said something about not knowing who one of his teammates were because <laughs> he, he literally went from the airport to COVID test and then to the facility yesterday before their game. Um, should we just have like essentially pickup style NBA games where all the guys I mean, that are, they just show up and like, who's that? Like there's a team captain for each team and they just sort of pick whatever random former NBA players show up to play shirts and skins. Night. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, obviously, I would watch it, but you know that I'm a uh, little piggy that's going to take whatever's thrown in front of me. Like I was like, very, I was so excited about Greg Monroe's stat line that like I was, I had to do like a little self inventory on that to be like, so what are your values? What is it that you actually care about? Because you seem pretty excited about the guy from 2014 scoring 11 points in a game for the Timberwolves yesterday. But the, <laughs> which is that's a me problem. I'm not going to worry about that too much. I think that. The the thing that I'm enjoying about this, like, obviously the games haven't been great, but if you look at what's been happening in the NFL where there's been a lot of similar stuff involving quarterbacks getting thrown into systems, and obviously, you know, Ian Book isn't using the same playbook that, like, Jameis was using two months ago or whatever, but uh, pickup-style NBA basketball is still actually decently fun to watch, whereas, like, depleted pandemic era NFL has been like, these have been like the two most unwatchable weeks of football that I can remember, basically. Well, also in terms of football, isn't it an indictment on, because people always say, oh, there's more bowl games than there should be. There's more bowl games than there should be. As each one gets canceled, I don't hear much of an uproar from anyone. Right. Like all these people that are like, you know, whatever, like Tulsa fans that are like, well, I have to cancel my tickets to Indianapolis now. Like, nobody, like, you didn't really want to go to Indianapolis in the first place, man. Like, like, it's like you and, like, your cousin were going to a bowl game. I think the ones that would make me sad if they canceled them are the, the national championship right. games, like the FCS one and stuff like that. Because, like, those really are meaningful. But those are, you know, smaller venues, different things. Like, the idea of, like, there being a national uproar because, like, they took the Camellia Bowl from us or, like, we didn't get to watch the, the Tax Slayer Bowl this year. And, like, I, I, I think that you know, whatever. I, it's not going to change anything. We'll be right back to that number next year, Lord willing. But it is, it, you're definitely right that, like, I mean, I remember when uh, Rutgers, which is my, I suppose, my hometown D1 team, uh, like, I've made a point of not caring about Rutgers football. That's like a self care decision. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they took that uh, bid that, like, basically, like, stepped in for, I guess it was like AM or somebody. Yes. That like nobody in New Jersey was psyched for that. They were just like, "This is you're embarrassing us. Please don't do this." But like, you can't tell Greg Schiano what to do. That's just the nature of Greg Schiano. Uh, all right. Do you have a Sham Sharnia style update on your dishwasher? <laughs> dishwasher. Uh, well, see, this is actually a good question because I haven't, um, you know, been. Uh, conversations on, are uh, reported to be ongoing uh, between David Roth and plumbing professionals, comma many located in Manhattan. 
comma, some in Bronx, comma, <laughs> regarding placement of dishwasher into wall, uh, comma, in kitchen. <laughs> developing. Yes, we got a story. Uh, so Giddy's story is going to run today. The um, we're doing our post on like the best shams sentences of the year. I will give you an exclusive preview of the headline. Uh, I have not read the post yet because I'm saving it for myself. But the uh, presenting the first ever Shams Charania Award for excellence in divulging of information through syntax comprehended by many. Look for it on Defector.com. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. All right. I have, I have a final question for you here. We, at some point later in the show, are giving away tickets to go see David Lee Roth here in Vegas. And I am curious. My God. How, how many times or do you have a good story of where somebody thought you were David Lee Roth? So that's never, I've never been confused for him because he is older and extremely charismatic and I'm younger and I write blogs on the internet. But I did when I was in summer camp because my, my name is David Joseph Roth, and uh, like, there's no reason why David Lee Roth would name his child after himself, not exactly after himself. Like, yeah. Having a David Lee Roth Jr. is very David Lee Roth, but I did have, at the summer camp I went to, uh, the tennis counselor, Ross, was a real goofball, and I told him that David Lee Roth was my dad and would be coming for visiting day, which was basically <laughs> the day that all the like dermatologists whose kids I went to summer camp with would show up and be like, you look good, a little bit of uh, a little getting some sun, that's terrific. And he believed me. And I felt, at first I felt bad about it, wanted to be like, Ross, like, my dad's a lawyer, like, David Lee Roth is not my father. But he was into it enough that I was able to, like, I basically sustained that for a week. It was the first real instance of, like, doing a bit in my life. I think it was, like, 11 years old. And I was like, oh, he might not be able to make it because they're touring. And he's like, oh, I understand. But, you know, like, <laughs> so as far as Ross knows, like, I don't think I ever did tell him that my dad wasn't David Lee Roth, but he probably saw my actual dad, Stephen Roth, on visiting day and noticed that he was uh, that he had notably shorter hair and was dressed less flamboyantly. <laughs> David, legitimately, Tyler, when when I told him we had David Lee Roth tickets to give away, he went, he's he's cut like he he's he's here in Vegas. Why wouldn't we just have him on Tuesday in studio? Yeah, I mean, you should like. I would say that like, there's no way that he would deliver a less entertaining performance than me. He probably would be less coherent, and I don't reserve that honor for many. That's why he's who he is. Um, I think I'm more impressed not by you pulling that bit when you were 11 that you remember the name of the camp counselor. Ross was a he was quite a guy. There's a couple of things you could do as a camp counselor to be remembered, and one of them is to put that zinc oxide stuff on your nose, where it looks like you were just like you got caught smelling a bunch of ice cream, and we're like, "What? No!" If you do that, look, I will remember your name for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, he is David Joseph Roth, the son of David Lee Roth from Defector. David, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Good luck on Christmas. So. Thanks. There is David Lee Roth. Gets to open some presents finally, this poor yeah. kid. Yeah. Well, I, I did I did enjoy the, well, I'm Jewish. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I probably should have just said that yesterday instead no. of what I said. Yeah. You're like, Jesus wasn't real. <laughs> Coming up next. What are we doing next? Oh, Alabama. They're the underdog. <laughs> You're sitting in the press box with Grainy and Bischoff. Call the judge and call, get some fudge. Call the judge and get some fudge. On ESPN Las Vegas.
This might be one of my most favorite topics that comes up yeah, once or twice a year. Team that is obvious favorite, team that is clearly top of their league or conference or division, whatever they play in, someone on that team declares themselves underdogs and disrespected. And completely disrespected. Alabama linebacker Will Anderson said yesterday, I feel like we're the underdog in this game. All year, we've been disrespected. Alabama's favored by 13 points to beat Cincinnati. Alabama is ranked number one in the country. Alabama never fell out of the top four this year. Alabama was an underdog in one game all season, and that was to Georgia, another team in the college football playoff. Not only was that the only game they were an underdog in, every other game they played in, they were at least a 14-point favorite. It's a complete cliche. It happens every year. Someone's going to say something stupid like this, and I don't know. I don't answer me. Answer me this though: Does something like this come from Saban, like inside the walls? Does he actually say this to them? That you know, I could see now. I could see him saying, "Hey, you know, I see. I see the opposite. I could see him right. saying, "Beware, because you're a huge favorite, and right. you know, you don't want to be the team that's a huge favorite that loses these guys. So you got to focus in and not worry about how much you're favored by or what the numbers are and like that. Like, I would think he'd go opposite yeah. of that because because uh, the whole like from the outside, the whole mystique of Alabama is that it's the best college football program. In the country, in America, that it's going to have the most NFL players, that it's going to have the best shot at winning a national title is the that stat's still true, right? Any player that's gone to Alabama for at least four years under Nick Saban has won a national championship. Yeah. Like to me, like that from the outside, that's how we all view Alabama. And I'm under the impression that Nick Saban and Alabama use that to recruit players like, hey, come to us. We put everyone in the NFL. Like, if you're truly good, yeah, we've got other good players on the roster, but you're going to beat them out. Right, and right. you're going to be like, I'm under the impression they use that. Like, hey, we are awesome all the time as how they recruit players. And I would assume that continues into the season. Well, it's like Calipari's handing guys lists of all his NBA players yeah. when he recruits a high school player. He's like, all right, what's your goal? The NBA, okay, here you go. Look at all the max right. contracts. So, like, I, I. It's just a I kid can't imagine I just can't imagine Saban would be like we're underdogs no, guys. No. No, I would again, I would think he'd say be wary of the underdog. Right. Like you these guys are better than what people are telling you. These guys have every chance to beat us. These guys all that. And, That's and the message I would give the right, guys so uh, they focus in. And they're playing for the group of 5. Right. Because, exactly. They're playing for history. All of that. If anybody's been disrespected, it's the entirety of the group of 5. Absolutely. Never even getting this shot until Cincinnati yeah. gets one around. So I just I don't think it comes from Saban, but I'm still amazed that it could come from anybody that's playing at Alabama because what? <laughs> like, how? I, how does the guy at Alabama think they've been disrespected? The, the the two movie references I want to make is I feel like Saban is Ivan Drago against Apollo <laughs> Creed. Apollo Creed. Uh, like he, or alternatively, he's the evil coach from Mighty Ducks going like, we, if you can't win big, it's not worth winning. Let's go crush these. Yeah. yeah. Let's That's, go squash there's them. There's no chance. I mean, I, I'm not going to say there's no chance because who knows what Saban says most days when, you know, the doors are closed. But I cannot believe with a straight face he tells his guys they're underdogs. No. Now, maybe this kid, again, it's a guy in a media session and, 
This is what he said. I mean, it's completely foolish to say stuff like this. But we, like you said, every year you get a huge favorite saying this. Like they've yeah. been disrespected. And then you give them the evidence that you have written down here. And there's absolutely no evidence to which you've ever been disrespected. When's the last time Saban at Alabama has ever been disrespected at anything? Never. I mean, they're number one every year. They, they, that they, year they class. didn't play the uh, SEC championship, I mean, the, and people were like, well, maybe they don't make I mean, it. I mean, the one year he lost to Utah in a bowl game? Yeah, that was it. That's pretty much it. Uh, Ivan Drago. No idea what movie this oh, is. Oh. That, that, you didn't though, hear? Now, come on. You've heard of Apollo Creed. Have you seen Creed 2? No. Oh, my God. So good. Okay. But what I was going to say, without having any idea what movie that is, that's the bad guy. I've never heard a more name that's more bad guy than Ivan Drago or whatever it was. The best part. He's the bad guy. The best part is it's a large German man playing a Russian, and he looks super German. Makes sense. Of course. But he he does not look Russian in the slightest. Have you seen, I know you've heard of it, have you seen the original Rocky? No. It's a have you slow seen any burn. Of the Rocky sh- well, no, then you wouldn't have gone on and seen two. You wouldn't have no. seen the other ones. No. I've seen the montage of him running up the steps at Philadelphia. And that's, <laughs> yeah. That was, until they won the Super Bowl, it was delightful. The, the most notable like sports accomplishment that the city of Philadelphia had was Sylvester Stallone yeah. at the top of those stairs. With his arm raised and, and, and jumping around like a nut <laughs> That was an yeah. actual statue that they had. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I've been to the actual <laughs> steps he ran up. Yeah. Oh, you have? Yeah. Did you run up them? Yeah. Okay. Well, I walked, but yeah. Okay. I didn't run up the stairs and wearing oh, jeans Oh, a lot of people do something. that. They jump running. around, put their arms over their heads. Yeah, 